0: Matthew chapter number 5. Thank you, Chris. Matthew chapter number 5. So, I have a goal in mind to preach until the candle goes out. Mrs. O has just volunteered to be in the nursery. So, for backslid people like that, this is your size, right? We'll go half. And then, my wife. Knowing this was the case, she went above and beyond. She's like, How about use this one? (laughs) Not really. I asked her to go pick that up. I'm not going to do a magic trick, so don't get nervous or anything like that, but um, we'll get to this at the end. Matthew chapter number five. I'd like to start by just echoing what Pastor Mitchell said. I had zero to do with Tuesday night, but I love inviting people. I think we had 10 or 11 guests that came, and all of them said, we'll be back next year. What a blessing. And so I guess sometimes you know, I sit in the audience, and I look up, and I see Sunday school teachers, teachers, bus workers, you know, and so forth, all the people in ministries. And a lot of times people in churches, the only ministry they do is music. And so I'm just blessed to see that in there we have just all sorts of people just serving the Lord. What a thrill that is. So I'd like to say thank you for that. And then on Thanksgiving Day, I wanted to give a testimony, but I kind of like to hear everybody else's testimony. So I was kind of sitting on my hands a little bit. And uh, so I'm just going to say my piece right now, if that's okay. Um, I guess back in August when Dr. Vogelin and Pastor Mitchell approached me about, kind of helping with ministries or whatever um, I was to do, you know, when, when you travel a lot, you're in and out, and you don't really see a church in action. But since I've been home quite a bit more, I, I will just say, church, you have, all of you that are in ministries and so forth have revived my spirit. I love being involved in the ministries and seeing you in the grind. I love talking to people, and some people are in four and five, and you say, hey, If I pull this from you, like, don't even think about pulling that from you. That's the spirit that our church ought to have. And I've been encouraged by so many of you just plugging away. And so I just want to say just a hearty thank you for that. I, I think as I'm now in my 46th year of being at Fairhaven Baptist Church, I think I'm more burdened than ever for our church to see God save people to see people baptized and added to the church. I want to see God bless more, and I think, think you do too. Um, about two Sunday nights ago, Pastor Vogel preached, I don't know if you call it, volume two of, of the series on perfection and dissatisfaction, and and that's kind of been bouncing around in my head. Um, I, I knew the message the Lord wanted me to preach before that, um, But we went home as a family, and we said, where do we need to improve? And one of my kids said, in everything. so it was kind of depressing, because you'd think after 34 years of being a Christian, you might have something figured out. And so we just began to kind of look at some areas in our life, and um, I think we all understand we need to grow, I think. And the area tonight I'm going to talk about is really kind of, As a result of what his message was, it's just kind of been heavy on my heart. It has not left. And so I trust God can use kind of both of these things to come together. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I think familiar verses to all of us. So why don't we just read these three verses together. Verses 14. Let's begin. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle. And put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And to give it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Let's pray and then we'll get into the message. Lord, I need you tonight. You know, physically I'm, I'm not, uh, full, full strength and uh, I've asked for your help tonight and I ask that you would just allow me to get across the message that you put on my heart heavy. And really since August and September you've been dealing with my heart about this. And I think this is the night you've really put on my heart to preach to our church and to those that have assembled together. I need you. I need your help. And I ask that your spirit would speak to hearts as only he can. Use your word. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to say in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to be all over. So rather than you just keep working, uh, just trust that I am... It's quoting verses from scriptures i 'm going to do a bit of a Bible study at the beginning and then kind of culminate with a, a challenge if I could matthew five these are the words um, of Jesus to his listeners in what we've come to call the Sermon on the Mount, and even for the kids they 've kind of taken this verse, and in junior church or Sunday school we sing the song or on the bus, this little light of mine and hide it under a bushel, no and those type of things. And this is kind of the text where it comes from. Uh, Albert Barnes kind of sums it up pretty good, these verses. He says, when talking about the light of the world, he says generally in the practical sense, it's talking about the sun. The sun, he says, renders objects visible, shows their form, their nature, their beauties, and their deformities. And then he goes on to talk about the word light often applied to religious teachers and preeminently in the spiritual side of things applied to Jesus Christ. And of course, that transfers on to ministers and Christians. We simply are this. We are the light of the world. Then he talks about a candle. We don't light a candle for the purpose of concealing it, do we? We light a candle for the purpose of, for it to give light to others and to ourselves. And so he says in verse number 16, let your light so shine. The purpose of light is to Give off light so men, based on the scriptures, may see your good works. And what's the rest of it? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Pharisees acted to be seen of men. But true Christians ought to act to glorify God. In the scriptures, you'll find a lot of dark times. I think of people that like Plays or cantatas. I was talking to Mrs. Schreiber about this. And so she likes to put these things together and probably at these specific moments, somebody enters stage right, stage left, and it kind of changes the tune of that particular play. There was a time when the world was dark, a, a, a wicked time in our scriptures. The Bible describes man as this, every thought was only evil Continually. No doubt, God looked down with disgust on his creation, and we know what he wanted to do. He wanted to wipe them off of the earth. Enter stage left, a man named Noah, who the Bible says found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God used a man in a dark time to bring a little light. Amen for Noah. 400 years of slavery for the people of Israel as they were under the bondage of Egypt. They had enough. And maybe cried loud enough to God and says, we want deliverance. Enter stage left, a man named Moses. And I love he enters Pharaoh's palace and Pharaoh asks the question, who is the Lord? Well, pretty quick, guess what's going to happen? He's going to find out who the Lord is. And God used Moses in a dark time for the people of Israel to bring some light. Israel was standing on one side of the valley of Elah, and Philistines were on the other side. For 40 days, a giant had come, and he cursed God. He blasphemed the God of heaven, and the Israelite army was fearful. They were, they were scared, and any time he came to the forefront, they scattered and fled. Enter a young man who the Bible calls him Ruddy. Uh, he was introduced to Saul as simply a stripling and he enters and here's a, man, a young man that has faith, a young man that believes in God It gave him a purpose and gave him a cause, entered David. What a blessing. Between Malachi and Matthew, there's a period of time called the silent years that we've come to call it. 400 years. A period of time when God was quiet from his people. They had heard warnings and messages from God's men again and again. And it seems as if God says, I've had enough of you turning a deaf ear to my prophets. During their history, they had faced horrible famines of bread and water over the years. But now they face faced a different famine. Amos talks about it in Amos chapter 8 verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Then enter a man by the name of... John the Baptist. And he comes simply describing himself as, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. See, God uses men in dark times to bring the light that is needed in the world that we have. You remember the time in history called the Dark Ages, where the church, if you will, kind of controlled the scriptures. Uh, The people had to rely on the clergy to read, handle, and teach their doctrines as they saw fit. Anyone who tried to get hold of the Scriptures for themselves was really in danger for their lives. Enter men like John Wycliffe and Martin Luther, these men that got a taste of the importance of the Scriptures. Enter, can I say it this way, the light of the glorious gospel that changed history, the gospel of God. We come to Christmas. Shepherds are sitting on the hillside on what we'd say seemingly a quiet evening. The Roman Empire rules with an iron fist and God's people have been promised a Messiah, and anointed one to deliver, but no doubt each time someone came to the the surface and said, hey, I'm that Messiah, they had been disappointed again and again and again. Do you think they ever lost hope? I think so. Well, shepherds most likely after an eventful day of watching their flocks by night were quite surprised when the sky lit up. And they received the announcement about a baby that had been born. Enter not from stage left or stage right. Enter from above the babe, the son of God, the king of the Jews, the good shepherd, the door of the sheep, the way, the truth and the life, the resurrection and life, the true vine, the son of man. And for tonight's message, the light of the world. I'm so thankful for the light of the world. Take the year 1809. The international scene was quite tumultuous and chaotic. Napoleon was sweeping through Austria. Blood was flowing quite free. Nobody really then cared about about babies. But the world in 1809 was overlooked some terribly significant births. Some of you might know a man by the name of William Gladstone was born that year, destined to become one of England's finest statesmen. That same year, Alfred Tennyson was born. He would be uh, very involved in the literary world. Oliver Wendell Holmes was born that year. Some might recognize the name Edgar Allan Poe. It was also the same year that a physician named Darwin and his wife named their child Charles Robert. And that same year produced the cries of a newborn infant in a rugged log cabin in a Hardin County, Texas. Or, sorry, Kentucky. The baby's name, Abraham Lincoln. If there had been news broadcast at that time, the writer of this says, in certain these words would have been heard. The destiny of the world is being shaped on an Austrian battlefield today. But history is actually being shaped in the cradles of England and America. Similarly, everyone thought taxation was the big news when Jesus was born. But a young Jewish woman cradled the biggest news of all, the birth of a Savior. Many men have made their mark on the world, yet there is one we call the man of sorrows. And he made his mark not just on a time period, on all mankind. I'd like to just say tonight I'm thankful for the light. I'm thankful for the light of the world. You look at darkness, and it's described by Mr. Webster in many ways, but he talks and says it's the absence of light. It's the idea of being obscure. It's the lack of clearness. It is a state of being intellectually clouded. It gives the idea of ignorance. It gives the idea of secrecy. Even Pastor Olson was talking today about, uh, about sin and how men love darkness, Rather than light, it's just, it's kind of this, this shady way of living, and that's kind of the way the devil wants it. He wants us to live in, in darkness. And the idea of gloom, the idea, idea of as, as utter darkness, a, a private place, great trouble and distress. When people say, I'm, I'm living in dark times, we understand it's not a pleasant time, it's a, it's a bad time for them. Even hell is called, or Satan, the empire of Satan is called power of darkness. I read these descriptions of darkness and it reminded me that I'm thankful for the light because the alternative is Jesus Christ. And I have a whole list of things about the light we'll skim over, but making decisions in in the dark lead to some regrettable consequences. Back in the days before electricity, a tight-fisted old farmer was taking his hired man to task for carrying a lighted lantern when he went to call on his best girl. Why, he exclaimed, when I went to courting, I never cared one of them things. I always went in the dark. To which the reply was, yes, and look what you got. (laughs) I'd like to just go through a couple reasons why I love the light. Number one, I love the light in its placement. Typically, when you Enter a room. What's the first thing we generally do, especially in the evening? You hopefully turn on the light. You kind of go in. You kind of say, "I don't want to stub my toe on something. I don't want to hit that chair that my mom, when she moved furniture all the time, you kind of could navigate your way through. But then they would move the furniture around, and if you're trying to navigate through the dark, it didn't work out so well. So you turn on the light. Genesis chapter one tells us what. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and what's the word? Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And I'm so thankful. It's almost as if God reached out his this switch and just turned the lights on for all of our world. Praise the Lord. That's how easy he can do something like that. But he said, let there be light. Like is the first thing God saw or did when he began his six-day creation work. Light is primary, light is good. God saw that it was good. You know, it's interesting, James says this, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights. God is good. Light is also primary, it's also good, but it's also separating. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And even, to put it in simple terms, even at night, God provided lights. Now, isn't it pretty awesome to go out if you're somewhere in the country and you go out on a dark night and you, you just look up and you, you see the stars and you see how God just lights up the sky? I don't know if you've been to the Creation Museum. I took Titus a couple, couple months ago and many of it you have gone and, and you might pay that extra 8 10 bucks to go to the planetarium. And I've been there a couple of times and I sit there and listen to a lot of jargon I don't understand. I'm laying there. One time I fell asleep, sorry, but it was after the fourth time of being there. And I'm looking and they're trying to explain this and this. And, and it, just can, it just kind of is so vast. And it's so amazing. And, and I love how they end that little show or that little, uh, that little session. And they say, it's all summed up by this. He made the stars also. What a God. The psalmist says it this way. Oh Lord. Our Lord. How excellent is thy name. When I was in Zambia, I think 95 or 96, we went to a, a, a school, and in the schools they taught English. So I remember going up, talking to one of the teachers there, and he spoke English, so we were talking back and forth, and, and we were talking about his family. He says, oh, there's, there's my son over there. And I said, oh, that's pretty neat. I think he was a third or fourth grade. I said, what's his name? And he said, his name is excellent. And he had those nice white teeth shining and, and when he said that. I said, why did you call him excellent? He said, because he's so excellent. <laughs> and every time I read this text, I think of that guy in, I don't remember what village we were in. But here's what the psalmist said. How excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And he goes down to verse number 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest? You just look up and you see the sun and the moon and the stars and you think, why is God interested in me? But he is. Amen. I'm so thankful that he saw fit to have us in his plan. Amen. For that light? I love the light in its placement. It's first number two. I love the light in its purpose. And we can call this consecration. Light naturally separates, doesn't it? We buck against that idea of separation, but from the very beginning, God sets a pattern. I'm going to divide the light from the darkness. I'm going to separate day and night. I am glad for separation. It's not a bad term. When you go to the store, aren't you glad the milk isn't with the soups? We kind of get used to separation. We're okay with it. I'm glad at McDonald's. I don't have my banking transactions going on. There's separation in our world. And don't, be, don't think separation is a bad thing. It's a good thing. We get in the realm of sports and we understand it. You wouldn't catch Mr. Ramus dead in a Cubs uniform ever. Because I hate the Cubs. I'm a Sox fan and I root for anybody else who plays the Cubs. That's just the way it works where's Mr. Varner? You need help. You need help. (laughs) Tony, you need help too. But but you hear, you know, the the Cubs are in dead last place, you know, and they're 10 and 73 and they win three games and WBBM is saying, oh man, they're on a roll. I think the World Series is in view. They said that for about a hundred years. But but just, you know, sometimes we, we understand sports and we, we jump on this wagon and it's almost like you hear guys talk, I'll pick on Luke a little bit because he likes sports and he always kind of includes himself in the team. Yeah, we, we got this guy and we did this and we did that and he probably doesn't know the players and the men as far as never met him or never been to their, but he, he's part of the team and there's it's it's a joke and he knows the stats and we won't keep on going there he knows all about the team can i can i say this that's okay and you wouldn't catch him dead in the opposing team's uniform and so forth now there was a a, a lady i was watching a game a while back and her sons were playing against each other and she had a jersey of one team on this side and a jersey of the of one team on the other side and you think man how frustrating does that have to be but you know sometimes we do that with God and the world. Let your light shine. We're we're going to get there in just a little bit. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? I think righteousness and unrighteousness can't even be at the same table. There's no fellowship at all. But he goes on to say, What communion hath light with darkness? They shouldn't even be in the same sentence. Peter says it this way, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priest, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Can I say this? When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He called you out of darkness into light. Why are we trying to scramble back into the darkness? Light has a purpose of separation. Don't be afraid of that. Our text simply says, ye are the light of the world. It doesn 't say you are trying to be the light of the world. This is going to happen when you become the light of the world. We simply are the light of the world. This candle 's burning. Now, with what we have today, it 's really not super effective. I get. It. I remember the old movies, the Bob Jones films of back in the day when I was a kid, you 'd have these guys going through the castle. And they'd have a little candle in front of them, walking down those stone hallways. And you'd see the shadows. kind of actually creepy. But that's what they used. That's what they had. But now we have these conveniences where something like this really is not super helpful to us. And really, when you think about candles, you say, hey, can you go candle people? That's what they do with candles. Now they wonder if the scent is good or not. We don't really think about them for light. And, and I thought about that. Sometimes we take what God has as useful for us, and the convenience has kind of taken that usefulness away. Be careful of that. We are lights. When our ways are dark, the light has a way of revealing that darkness. Listen to these verses. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica: "Ye are all the children of light. We are not of the night nor of darkness." John writes this again, a new commandment. I write it to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even unto now. Can I say tonight, if you have strife against a brother or sister in this building tonight, you are living in darkness. That's not the way it ought to be. You need the light of the gospel to come in and move that out. We ought to be unified based on the scriptures. Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. People ought to see a difference in us. We were at Costco a while back and getting, enjoying those, uh, beef dogs and that cheap meal on a, on a family night and we didn't have room at the table. So there was a a guy sitting here and so I say, Hey, do you mind if I, uh, if I sit next to you and my family will sit over here and we got talking. He was a talker and I'm a talker. He says, uh, "Your wife and your girls—they got character." I'm like, okay, what makes you say? He's like, "Just the way that they're dressed tells me they got character." I'm like, "Huh." So even the way that we dress tells the world there's something different about us. Don't be ashamed of that. We are children of the light. Amen. Paul says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. He writes in Ephesians 6, as he talks about the armor, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Are you getting the point? Light has a purpose, and its purpose is consecration and separation. Light naturally guides us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I love the light and its placement at creation. I love the light in its purpose and consecration. But pretty simply stated, I love the light in his person, the Lord Jesus Christ. First John says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declared to you that God is light. We heard today about I am the way. God says, I am the light, not a light. I am the light. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus is speaking to the, those that brought the, the the lady that was taken in adultery. And he speaks to this group and he says this, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The next chapter, he's speaking to the man that we say is born blind. John chapter 9 verse 5, he says this, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. People had meetings with this light, didn't they? We We, we sung about it tonight, the shepherds on that Christmas evening. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. For the wise men, can you imagine as they're studying, and there came a point where they they noticed a a star that was a bit different than they'd seen before. and In a sense, that star lighted their path to go find the Lord Jesus Christ in the house. I love Acts chapter number 9 as we see a man trying to dim the light of the gospel. He's got decrees to go and hail men and women to put them in prison for their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 9, verse 3, Paul says this, this, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Watch me, God showed up! And it changed his course of life when he met Jesus And we see some years later, he's standing before Festus and Agrippa in Acts 26, verse number 13, and he's giving his testimony. And he says this, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above, above the brightness of the sun shining round about me. And then, which, listen, he says, it was brighter than sun because he met Jesus. He met the light of the world. And when they were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Arise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto, unto whom now I send thee. Get this, this was his purpose, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God, I, I pray for, for the armor cost because they're not going there just to kind of have a little party down to Thailand or Burma. They're going there with purpose of to turn people from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God and the Kregos as well. And when we go to Mission City and Gary, it's to turn people from darkness to light. That's the purpose when we introduce the person of the light of the Lord. Amen for that. So I say it simply this I love the light in its placement, its purpose, its person, but I'll tell you where I struggle. And this is really where I want to help us church tonight. I don't always love the light in its payment, because light costs. I'd like the youngest to the oldest to tune in just for a little bit. Because I think as a church, if we can grab a hold of this, it's going to help Ferry Baptist Church. If our lights are going to shine, it's going to cost something. How many of you have started your own business over the years? I see Brother Johnson. To be successful in business, what does it take? A lot of work probably set some things off to the side and had focus your attention on that job. I saw Mr. Bollinger. A lot of work time, did it take some money? Did it take some effort? Did it take long nights? What I'm saying is we understand, we, we understand if we're going to put our effort into something, it's going to cost if it's going to be successful. Light cost. Now follow this. I was talking to a pastor. He pastors probably a church of two or three hundred, and he said something to me that's just kind of been ringing in my mind with this idea that we're talking about tonight. He said this. He said, about seven to ten years ago, I could have asked for a need to have somebody run the three bus routes that we have, and I would have had ten people lined up at my office door after church. This is what he told me very recently. He said, now, if I asked, because they're looking for bus captains right now, he said, if I asked for free bus workers or captains, he said, I fear that I would have anybody at my office door. This is a pretty good side church. And so that caught my attention. And so I, ne- I took the next step and I said, why would you say that, pastor? What's the reason? This is what he said. He said, I've come to understand that a lot of Christians will serve the Lord as long it is, as it is convenient. He said, they will teach a class if they're going to be at church on Sunday. They will help with the meal as long as they are at church. But this is what he said, the extra stuff during the week is off limits now. And that bothered me, but then I stopped to think, you know what, Eric, that's where you are sometimes. There's a warning that we don't get comfortable in our ministries. And this is where his message has kind of been eating me up because I sit back and say, well, well, I work in the bus ministry and I help here and I do this and, and, and frankly, I'm okay lighting the candle when everybody else's candle's being lit. You see, we can light up this church and we can be here and it's all wonderful, but I tell you what, what needs to happen is we need to go out there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that's when men need to see our good works so they can glorify our Father which is in heaven. I'm so thankful that we have a lot of things going on, but I'm convicted about the fact I can show up for visitation for my hour or two, I can show up for this or that, but really there's more than just Sundays that we need to be out there and let our light shine. Now church for 24 25 years I'm blessed and I say a hearty thank you that you pay for brother Ramos and the Ramos family to serve God full time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I ought to be in 10 15 ministries cuz you're paying my salary. So just so you know, you have given me the privilege, the privilege for my wife and I to serve in the youth department, sports, College, junior Church. I'm even doing puppets now. I've never done a puppet in my life. I was at a nursing home yesterday, took the college on Thursday to, to, to serve and, and, and what I'm saying I guess is this we can't be satisfied by just lighting our candles at just those one or two times appointed. People need more. And we look at a at a bus route and I'm I'm gonna get here in just a second, but we, we love the lights in our house, don't we? I remember my dad would come home from, from U.S. Steel. It's July. Uh, what is the Christmas kids? Every light on the house is on. Uh, any parents ever used that one before? <laughs> is the gear, you know, Christmas? New. Um, well, it, it was in a sense a bother to him because he was paying the bill. I'm not affected by turning the light on because I'm not paying the bill. It doesn't matter to me. Let it burn! My uncle Mick and Aunt Laura here. They used to live um, right by where the lists are. You never knew if they were home when I was a kid growing up. Now you knows what I'm talking about. They had one lamp that was allowed to be on when they were home. One. It was in the living room. He'd come home from Bethlehem Steel. He'd sit there, and we just we didn't know if they were alive. Was there any? And so if I would go to the house. I was afraid to turn the light on because I knew I was going to get excommunicated to my house. Well, well, why? You say, they're chintzy. No, there's, they understand that light costs. And we love the heat and we love lights, but Nipsco's calling your name. You stop and say, all right, kids, we got you know, to go back to the candle. Sometimes I find myself complaining about our ministries and the size of them. And I'm doing zero about it. Maybe teachers, Sunday school teachers, you're sitting back like, my class only has seven people. What's wrong with those bus captains? Why don't they put a little more effort in? I'm, I'm preaching to me here, so don't take it personal. Maybe you could get out and add a little extra effort to helping that bus route. Bus workers. Oh man, we only had seven on our bus today and I don't know what's wrong with Mr. Wilcox. I mean, it's just like, you just can't get it going. What's wrong with him? Braden? I mean, come on. You should be praying three hours a day, right? But sometimes we sit back and, now, now watch me, I'm guilty of this. You show up, at the bus or your class, you've done zero to prepare for that? And what do we do? What do I do? I criticize. I gripe. I guess what I'm saying is, we love all the blessings of the light, but I'm going to say, this is where it hurts. The light costs. Sometimes young people say, well, my, my dad and mom, they spend so much time working with the bus kids. Can I say this, young person at Ferry Baptist Church? Jump in. You start praying. You start helping. And maybe you can do things alongside with your mom and dad. Is this making sense tonight? I'm thankful we have hardworking teens, but I've seen this. They'll work 12-hour, 10-hour days for money. But they'll duck going soul winning for three. Why is the candy sale successful? Ladies, thank you. (laughs) Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And I've been challenged, convicted, say, so, you know, I get my kids out there and we need to. But I tell you what, it'd be nice if I could put that many hours out telling you about Jesus. This is not going over well. Am I just here for the purpose of smelling and looking good as a candle? Or am I here to burn for the Lord? We, we started four nursing homes back in September. It was exciting. We got kicked out of one. That wasn't exciting. Uh, you, I think Andrew got kicked, got us kicked out. I'm just like publicly defaming you. And I was like, Andrew, find out why we got kicked out. And so he found out, well, we were inviting people to church. And it's kind of why we're there. So I was, you're, you're okay. You're not going to get expelled from school. You're not going to be canvassed. But where Miss Beeson is, is Pine's Retirement Village. And by the way, she would love a visit over this time, especially just throwing it out at you. But we had um, seven, the first service. Oh, we're excited. And then we had one. And then the two weeks later, we had one. Two weeks later, we had one. And two weeks later, we had one. And I pulled Brandon Starr and I said, listen, let's, let's just pray about canceling the service. And going to Addison Point, because we got a whole bunch more. Let's just shut that service down. That sounds like the easy thing to do. But I said, let's just pray about it. And Brandon made the comment, he says, well, how about we put a little extra time in? How about we get there and make some extra visits and get there early and start door knocking? So two Saturdays ago, they did that. They got there early, somebody went during the week, and we had eight weeks to go there. That's a novel idea. Put a little extra time in. And what happened is we showed up on Saturdays and we're just waiting for the people to come to us. You know that doesn't happen. If we just came to church on Sunday morning and didn't run the buses and just waited for people to come, you know it's not going to happen. Aren't you thankful that we can go out and go out and bring them in? We had a service there yesterday. We had sent Laura Kriego on a mission and her power-packed physique. She's just knocking doors, slamming people, dragging them. Not, not really. But man, we had, we had eight people, I think one of which... Only one was under 90. And if you could just see them beaming, I was ready that quick to just quit the thing and shut it down. And God says, you know what? Put some extra time in. You know, sometimes it's to run TNT and EMT and TNT for juniors and these things. It takes a lot of extra effort on Sundays and Saturdays. But praise the Lord. Can I just say this? Two Teenagers got saved today in our service. Brian got to lead Kentrell Sanders. Many of you know Latrice, who's in heaven. I mean, he got to lead Kentrell to the Lord. I'm sitting back there. Mr. Goss says, hey, Lavelle's struggling. Mr. Spooner's been working with him. Others have been working with him. I'm, I'm sitting in the back room today. He's like, Mr. Rams, I'm just tired of being lonely. I'm just tired of being dark. I want to get it settled. So you know what to do. And if you could hear him pray today, he says, today I believe Jesus Christ is the way. He got it settled today. You say, all that time of the Hades having over to the house and the TNT meetings and bringing them to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know what happens? It's really not always fun. But the light's got to keep burning at costs if we're going to see the Lord make a difference. Our text says, let your light so shine. I don't think this is the actual true thinking of it, but when I say somebody is ugly, they get your attention. When I say they are so ugly, that's quite extreme. The Bible calls our salvation so great salvation. And I guess what I'm urging us tonight as a church to do is to let our light so shine. Let's go beyond just lighting the lamp, lighting the candle, and say we're going to do a little bit more. Think about this for a minute. A lighthouse is not there for its own protection, but for the protection of ships that are in danger. Luke says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they, that they would come in, may see the light. Letting a light shine is costly. A candle does not give light without burning. We cannot let our light shine without paying Price, And it's not just for those going on the mission field. I'm thankful we have a church that goes and goes and goes and goes. I'm urging us, I'm encouraging us to keep at it. Keep at it. Keep plugging away. People are out there still in a dark world that need the Lord Jesus Christ. Get those tracks out. Get those tracks out. Get those tracks out. People are still searching. So in closing, let's look at our text one more time. Ye are the light of the world. We're on display. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. There ought to be a brightness about us. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. The text reveals to us that we as Christians are on display, but we're not to be dim. There ought to not to be a, a covering over us. I, I sit back and sometimes I ask the Lord, I want to be a better soul winner. I, I've been to the altar, Lord. I want to be a better soul winner. But for some reason, I allow the world to, to dim my light. Do you want to be an effective witness for the Lord? I, I'm just praying this year that all of us can lead one person to the Lord, get them saved, baptized, and added to the church. Wouldn't that be encouraging? Amen. Just one. It. It's, it's not It's not a lot. But if we could all reach out and do our part and let our light shine, not just here. It's easy for me to get up and preach and talk about soul winning, but i got to step out there and confront people with the gospel and enlighten their minds, if you will. The text reveals in verse number 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Notice the end of verse number 15, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. There is a benefit to everyone everybody when our lights so shine. When you go to these older hotels, what's the frustration? There's no lights in the ceiling, are there? And you're going around hitting every lamp just to kind of brighten up the place. It's frustrating To be in a place, staying in a place that's dimly lit. I wonder if Christ would say to us as individuals, my complaint is that you've dropped the ball. This is what he says. As long as I am in the world, what did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Has he left? In a sense, he has. And he's given us the responsibility. He says, you are the light of the world. My prayer is that all of us have an urgency to say, I want to be that light, and I want to be okay with the cost, with the expense, if you will, and let it burn out. Shorter than I was when I was studying, so you can be thankful for that. But when I was working on my sermon in the office and I came to blow the candle out, look at the difference in how it started. It doesn't look as pretty as it did when it was in the package, did it? And really, at the end of a Sunday, like some of you feel right now, (laughs) you're you're weary, you're tired. And that's the way it ought to be. You study Jesus and you'll see even when he went to Samaria, he was weary, and he sat on the well. But still, even in his weariness, he saw time to talk to that Samaritan woman. You know, there's a lot more teens that ride our buses that I want to see in TNT. And so do you. And sometimes, to be honest, it's a little bit of pain. Oh, I got this to do. And I got that to do. And we got to go do this. But as a church, if all of us would say, Let our light so shine. I'm not just going to show up at my ministry waiting for the leader to say, do this. On Tuesday, I'm going to be praying. On Tuesday, I'm going to be preparing. On Tuesday, I'm going to go visit that one or two kids. that's always so bad in my class. Maybe that visit could make the difference. I don't know. But I trust that we can be encouraged tonight by letting our light so shine. Let's pray.